Let's pray together. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. Heavenly Father, thank you for reminding us here today that God, that you are not like worldly leaders, false teachers, false shepherds who lead their sheep astray. But Lord, you are the true king, you are the true Messiah, and you are the true leader. I pray, God, that you will lead this service today to a place with filled with green pasture, understanding that, God, that when we approach your throne, that we will never leave empty-handed. In fact, you'll fill us up even more and more and more. For, God, you are a well that will never run dry, that will continue to fill us each moment we come to you with humility. So, God, I pray you would take full control of this service here today. I pray against every attack of the enemy, any plan and the schemes of the enemy. We put our confidence in Christ, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was and who is and who is to come, the lion and the lamb. We trust in you. We trust in your provision, for you have watched over us thus far. We lack nothing, for we are in you, and you are with us. And you walk with us and you guide our steps every single step of the way holy spirit lead our hearts to a place of humility right now so that we may be able to receive your word well and produce good fruits oh god Lord, watch over us may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who are here listening here today lord may it be pleasing lord in your sight oh god for you alone our rock and our redeemer we give you all the glory and all the honor we pray all these things in your precious son jesus christ let me pray and god's people pray amen, amen. and amen. amen welcome to our sunday service today is a special day for today is 9 11. let me just read real quick from an article for those who are too young because it's been over 20 years ago now. Let me just recap a little bit of what happened. In this article, it says this. It says, The most deadly foreign attack on the United States since the Pearl Harbor bombings in December 1941, when 2,403 Americans were killed, 9-11 remains one of the worst terrorist attacks in the world to this day. A total of 2,977 people were killed in four coordinated attacks. The four tragic events saw two planes flown into each of the World Trade Center towers, one into the Pentagon in Washington and one into a field outside of Shanksville, Pennsylvania. The location of the fourth crash in Pennsylvania is believed not to have been the intended target of the hijackers. That day, 40 passengers and crew members died aboard United Airlines Flight 93 after it is thought the passengers and crew fought back to try and retake control of the flight deck from the terrorists, resulting in the plane's fatal crash. The majority of 9-11 victims, 2,753 people, were killed when the hijacked American Airline Flight 11 and United Airlines Flight 175 were intentionally flown into the North and South Towers. 
American Airlines Flight 11 hit the North Tower at 8.46 a.m. That's why we rang the bell at 8.46. United Airlines Flight 175 hit the South Tower just over 15 minutes later at 9.03 a.m. The hijacked third plane then collided with the Pentagon at 9.37 a.m. And the fourth plane later crashed in Pennsylvania at 10.03 a.m. The South Tower of the World Trade Center collapsed at 9.59 a.m. Let's take a look at the clock in the back. So in about four minutes, about 20 years ago, South Tower will fall. There were just 102 minutes between the time of the first attack and the collapse of both the towers. I remember 9-11 very vividly, being a sophomore in high school, and it was a photo day at our school for our yearbook, and I was sitting in my woodshop class as I heard the plane, the news of the planes hitting the Twin Towers. Again, it's a special place because one of the first places I visited here in the U.S. And my parents, they had a business in Jersey City. If you know Jersey City, as you're driving in, you'll see the skyline of New York City downtown. And you'll, you're able to see the Twin Towers. My parents were in their car at that time. They literally saw the plane coming and hitting live the tower and people jumping and there was chaos everywhere. We witnessed one of the worst tragedy, one of the worst attacks, greatest terror acts in the history of the United States. Today, I want to tie this in with today's title and today's message. When the enemy comes. As Christians, we must become aware of what our enemy is, who our enemy is, and what his evil schemes are. Our spidey senses must tickle. We must understand and be aware that we have a powerful enemy that hates us. We have an enemy that desires to destroy us, to surprise attack us every single day until we take our final breath here on this earth. As we have our nursing home service coming up on Tuesday, as we have our praise night coming up on Friday, as you have our anniversary service coming up on Sunday, the question that I want to ask you is this. Are we ready for the enemy's attacks? Are we ready to fight against his lies? Are we ready to fight against his schemes? For Satan, he is powerful. Yet at the same time, he is what? Limited. Our God is unlimited. And must trust in him for he will protect us and he will guide us. For Satan has nothing on us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Let me begin with this passage, our main passage, found in John 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The higher hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. 
So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a higher hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as a father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my father. The Jews heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And this passage is split into two groups. One group believes that Jesus, he is demon-possessed. The other, they believe that he is the Messiah. Where they say, how can the Messiah open the eyes of the blind? Where do we stand? Do we stand on the side with Satan? Where our hearts are closed. Our eyes are kept from seeing the truth. Our ears are closed from hearing the truth. Or do we hear the truth and do we see the truth of the word of God? Do we see Christ? Do we know Christ for who he is? Now in this passage, John 10, whenever you think about John 10, this passage, you need to tie it together with Ezekiel chapter 34. And how does this tie in? Many people will look at John 10 and they will read the passage where it says in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And we think that it's actually talking about the devil. Jesus here is not really talking about the devil, but he's talking about false teachers and false leaders who lead their people astray, who are corrupted leaders who are bad shepherds of the people. It's talking to the pastors. It's talking to the leaders. It's talking to those who have a sheep that they lead to the teachers of the law who are corrupted leaders. So Jesus in John 10, he's referencing from back all the way from Ezekiel chapter 34. In Ezekiel chapter 34, it talks about religious leaders getting fat like Kim Jong-un, leaders who become Big and their people are skinny and are starving because they only know how to feed themselves. They do not know how to feed others. They do not know how to feed the sheep. And here in Ezekiel chapter 34, the word of God comes and Ezekiel says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. Whenever I see the word wool, I think about Josh because he's obsessed with wool for some reason. Verse 4, you have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd 
And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. The sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Pretty much, this whole passage is talking about you shepherds who are corrupted, you'll be held accountable. And I'm going to remove from you. And the Lord says, I will search for my sheep. And I will protect them. And I will look for them. I will find the scattered sheep. And I will look after my sheep. And that's where Jesus comes in in John 10. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When the wolf attacks... The higher hand runs, but I, the good shepherd, the shepherd, the great shepherd of the gate, of the shepherd of the sheep, the great shepherd will stay, will protect the sheep. So John 10 and Ezekiel 34 is not really talking about Satan, but does that mean that Satan does not like it says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Doesn't mean that Satan does not steal, kill, and destroy. The answer is no. Every day, Satan uses people. Satan uses teachers, puppets, as his instruments to do his evil biddings and to do his evil works, to steal, kill, and destroy. Which side do we stand upon? The side where you are against Christ, like it says in verse 20, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? Where our hearts prone to evil, standing on the side of evil, or do we stand on the other side where we can confidently say, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind. We need to understand that the devil, the evil, Satan, he uses people to do his dirty biddings. Evil will always claim to be good. Complete opposite state of the mind. Anti-God state of the mind. Delusional state of the mind. Where do we stand? Do we stand on verse 20 or in verse 21. And with that, let's lead into our first point. Our first point, we need to know this. We need to know what Satan is. Know what Satan is. When I say know what Satan is, I mean be aware that the devil exists and that we must always look to God. So point letter A, Satan exists. B, Satan hates. C, Satan divides. D, Satan deceives. E, Satan destroys. F, Satan lies. G, Satan kills. You must know that the devil, aka also known as the adversary, also known as the one who opposes, also known as the slanderer, we need to know and understand that the devil exists. And do you understand what the enemy's greatest weapon and the strategy is? Is to make you believe that he doesn't exist. 
just like in Vietnam War, the guerrilla warfare. The reason why the U.S. couldn't win the war was because they couldn't see who they were fighting. They would hide, then they would come out, kill, and then they would go back into hiding again. We need to understand that the devil exists. We need to know that he exists, that Satan hates, that Satan divides, that Satan deceives, that Satan destroys, that Satan lies, and that Satan kills. The truth is that we have a real enemy that wants to kill us. We have a powerful enemy that wants us to believe that he is not alive. He wants us to believe that you are not that important and that you are not worth attacking. But you need to understand that you have a powerful enemy that lurks around in your dreams, in your thoughts, in your relationships. Therefore, the scripture tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, to be alert and of sober mind, your enemy, the devil. When it says the enemy, the devil, it means your great enemy. It also translates your adversary. Prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is not a real lion. He is a pretender. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do you understand that you have a powerful enemy? You have a powerful enemy that exists. You have a powerful enemy that hates you. You have a powerful enemy that desires to divide you. You have a powerful enemy that deceives you. You have a powerful enemy that desires to destroy you. You have a powerful enemy that lies to you. You have a powerful enemy that desires to kill you. We need to stand with Christ. The only way that we find protection is that we stand with Christ. And leading to point number two, we need to know what the truth is. Know what the truth is. What is the truth? Know the truth and know your worth. What is the truth? As I mentioned earlier, letter A, Satan hates us always. It's in his innate nature. It is wired within him, his soul and his spirit to hate you. Any moment the devil will attack us. We need to be ready for 9-11 any moment. Every day is a battle that we must fight every single day. We need to understand that you have a powerful enemy that hates men, that hates women, and he's trying to twist everything when there is no gender and everything is fluid. You can be whatever you want to be and you can be free. And there's a saying, a quote that a Satan is saying, I'd rather be free in hell than to be bound in heaven. But that is the greatest lie of the enemy. The truth is you will never be free unless you are in Christ. You'll always be bondaged in sin in prison, in your own sins, and in your own rebellion, in your pride. And the only one who can rescue us is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only mediator who can save us from the power of Satan, from the attack of the enemy. If you look at all throughout history, 
women and men, they've been attacked by the ways of Satan. Satan using people with feet binding in China. Even in Hinduism, where a cow seems to have more value than a person, a female. It's a controversial question. Islam, where a woman's testimony does not equal to a man's testimony. And we see that women and men, they've been attacked throughout history where Satan deceives and he leads people astray. We need to stand up and fight men and women of God. We need to fight the good fight. Know that you are under attack. That you have a serious and real and a dangerous enemy lurking around that desires to kill you. The answer is the cross. The cross, when I say the cross, I'm talking about Christ himself and understanding the truth. What is the truth? How powerful Christ is. We need to understand who he is. We need to understand and lay down our life and follow him wholeheartedly. Amen and amen. Like it says in John 10, 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, authority to take it up again. Jesus has the power to rescue us from the power of death, from the power of sin. Let it be, in Christ we are triumphant always. 1 John 4, 4 says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57. Where all death is your victory. Where all death is your sting. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4, 6, 16, it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Never once was the devil ever stronger than Christ. Therefore, when we are under attack, we must look to the cross. We must look to Christ and look at the demons and the minions. And we must understand that we are victorious. They think that they won. They may be high-fiving, saying, yes, we got him. But when we turn to Christ, we have already won. In Christ, we are triumphant always. Let us see. We pray in Christ's name always. When I say we pray in Christ's name always, there is power in the name of Jesus. Therefore, we always pray in the name of Jesus. For there is power in the name of Jesus. When you're attacked, when you are being attacked, even in your sleep, you must pray in the name of Jesus. It is referenced all throughout Scripture. Luke 10, Romans 10, Acts 3, Proverbs 18, John 14. It says in Luke 10, Lord, even the demons submit to us in whose name? In your name. And Jesus says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you, for it is under his 
name. Romans 10 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, what's the name of the Lord? It is Jesus Christ, will be saved. In Acts 3, Peter says, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower, a strong tower. John 14, 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Leading to last sub-point here, letter D. We wield the word of God always. We wield the word of God always. When I say the word, I'm talking about the Bible that we have in our hands. Can we all hold the Bible in our hands? Okay, let's lift it up, up in the air. Not your phone. (laughs) Come on, let's all lift it up. We must wield the word of God always to fight the enemy. Always, every single day. The Bible tells us the word of God is alive and active, powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Ephesians 6, 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, Ephesians 6, 17. The best defense is a good offense. The best offense is a good defense. And how do we fight? We fight with the Word of God. We fight with the Word of God. And last point here, number three, closing with this. Know that we've won. You have already overcome. You may go through many battles in this life. You will go through many battles in this life. You may win some and lose some. But in the end, through Jesus Christ, we have already won. The devil has nothing on you. Let us remember that we have overcome. In Christ, we have overcome. First John is a good reference for us, for those, especially during the week when you're being attacked, particularly chapter 2 and chapter 4. First John 2, 14 says, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers. When it says fathers, it's talking about who are mature in the faith. It's not talking about an actual father, but it's talking about those who are leaders, who have people under them like children. Fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning, I write to you, young men. Young men are those who are still learning and who are still growing, young Christian men. Because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. How do we overcome the evil one? It is through Christ. First John 4, 4 says, You dear children are from God and I will overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Amen and amen. Know that we are under attack, particularly from everything that has been going on with what's coming up this weekend. 
I pray that we would put ourselves in a place of humility. We need to really pray for the guests that we're bringing. We need to pray and come together and be united in our mind. For we are only strong as the weakest link in our chain. We need to come together right now and join hands and make sure and understand that we are under attack. But just because we're under attack doesn't mean that we're going to fall. He is our strong tower, it says. He is our strong tower. We've only come this far because of his mercy and because of his grace. Let us not take things lightly and take things for granted. For God can any moment remove us. He gives and he also takes. Nothing lasts forever. No kingdom lasts forever. But the goal is while we're here, we give our best. So at the end, when we take our final breath and we see Christ face to face, we'll receive the award, the reward in heaven that is in store for us today. We each one of us will be rewarded according to our faith, according to what we have done, according to how much we have trusted in Christ. I want to encourage you, come together now, especially this week. There is no other week than this week, more important than this week. As we have nursing home coming up, we have a praise night coming up, as we have our anniversary service coming up, let us remember that we've been under attack and it's been very difficult. But we don't succumb to the ways of the enemy. Amen? We overcome and we will overcome and we have overcome. We have already won. Know that we've won. Amen and amen. With that, I just want to encourage you right now. If you could just bow your heads with me. And let me just close this up in a word of prayer. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to surrender to you in humility and in truth. Lord, we are so corrupted to the core that innately, God, we just want to be lazy and be rebellious and live our lives away from the truth. God, I pray you will start with us in this broken generation. In this dark generation, Lord, I pray that you will lead us to a place of passion and commitment and consistency and discipline that we will trust in you always, relying on and wielding the word of God. Holy Spirit, come and have your way within us. Strengthen us and lead us. For those who have placed other things above you, God, we have placed our families above you. We have placed our hobbies above you. We have placed the things of this world above you. I pray, God, that you will lead us to a place of humility and a place where, God, we draw near, closer to the heart of the Father. Speak to us, God, for we are listening. 
for we are hungry and we're desperate for your touch. Watch over us for the events that are coming up with the nursing home ministry, with the praise night, and with our anniversary service. Lord, protect us for we rely on Christ. We love you. We thank you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We pray all these things. Your precious son, just cause me pray. God's people pray. Amen. And amen. Now understand that it's been very difficult these last few weeks. Understand that the enemy hates us. Understand that we've been under attack. But let's just come together now and really worship him in spirit and truth. Let's understand what we are singing, where we declare you, God, you are the king of glory. You are the prince of peace. You are the Lord of heaven and earth. You are the son of righteousness. And what I want to see from us, and again, I'm not here to control the way you worship, but what I would love to see us doing as a church is to lift up our hands and worship. Can we just worship him? Really worship him. Whatever you're feeling, whatever that is holding you back, let us not be held back. But let us not be instrument of Satan to use. But in this place of his domain, when we're here in the house of the Father, we have to surrender, we have to submit, and we have to worship him. It's not about how you feel. It's not about what you feel like you want to do. But you must choose today to lift up your hands. You choose to worship him in spirit and in truth. Don't let anything else become greater than your choice of worship to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. Amen? So with that truth, let's come together. Let's set the tone of this room. Be ready for Friday with the praise night. Let's just come together and prayerfully and spiritually in spirit and truth. Let us worship him in spirit and in truth. We're going to start from the chorus, the pre-chorus. Angels bow down before you. They worship and adore for. Let us come and worship in spirit and in truth. Let us sing together. Stop.
together the name of the Lord is a fortified strong tower for if he asks anything in his name he will do it Heavenly Father we rely on you we trust in you we ask for your provision and for your protection in our church not just for our church but for us as individuals when we live this life faithfully and to follow you faithfully and that, God, that we would always surrender before the throne of God in humility and in truth. Lord, guide our church, especially this week. As this is a special week, I pray that you lead us to a place of humility, that we will humble ourselves and place our trust in you and you alone. We give you all the glory and all the honor. Speak to us, Lord, for we are listening. We love you. We pray all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. amen. And amen. amen.
pray together. Heavenly Father, do not remember the sins of our youth and our rebellious ways, but according to your love, remember us, for you, Lord, are good. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, present you blameless, holy, and pure before his holy presence. May you continue to know and encounter the unending love of the Father, and may the Lord continue to pursue after you, guide you, and lead you forevermore. And as God's people, we pray. Amen, amen. and amen.